comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, I hope everyone is doing well. This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast, recording from an actual room instead of doing a pupcast. Uh, my name is Trone. I am joined by Kyle Kinslow. Kyle, how's it going? It's going really well. We are inching closer towards the season and the hype continues to grow continues to grow the hype train is real and it's going to run over any cows that it finds out on the plains here uh (laughs) (laughs) you can find me on social media really everywhere at aztec breakdown so it's twitter that's instagram that's facebook all the all the deals uh you can find kyle on twitter at call me kinslow you can find the show all the places you listen to podcasts be sure to uh, give us those five star reviews. Like us if you're on Spotify. Leave leave you know comments and reviews whenever whenever you get the chance. That really helps us out. Helps the show out. Helps us grow and reach more people. Um, and we will be good. Today, the focus is on uh, the roster and the rotations, and so that's that's the type of stuff we are going to get into. And and Kyle, what I wanted to ask you is. Is in fact, let me back up before I ask you. Every year, one of the pieces that I try to write focuses on optimism bias. And so, you know, we are every year at this point, we're super excited for the year to start. We're thinking about all the great things that could happen. And I try to challenge myself to think about like what's going to make it so that this team doesn't reach these goals that we think they will hit. Right. And it happened. It happened. I probably like the biggest examples. If you were ever like on the Facebook groups in 2015 or even in 2016, everybody was like, this team is going to make an elite eight or a final four or whatever. And like the 16 team made the NIT, right. People were, people were very excited and optimistic. And so I'm like, what's going to cause this team to not hit those things. Um, and, and I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't put out that article this year, partially for other reasons, but a part of it was just because it was hard to do. It was mm-hmm. hard to think of like things that were going to hold this team back. So, so I'm going to be really interested to see what you have to say. And I, I know I did get one or two things, but I want to hear what you have to say. But before that, what, what's like probably the number one thing that's exciting about this team? What are the things that this team you think is going to do the best at? Yeah, for me, it's attack teams and waves. Uh, a team that's predicated on defensive pressure energy and athleticism that can put out five, six, seven, eight different combinations of lineups. That's better than what you have on the floor. That's more athletic than what you have on the floor. That's going to press you into oblivion. I think that this team is going to wear on others like never before you have the, the defender, in Lamont Butler, who's going to put pressure on the ball and by all metrics, as good as anyone in the country, you have one of the greatest uh, uh, post defenders in the country and Nathan Mensa. And with that, you're adding a freak JD and Ladie who is massive and is going to be bigger, stronger, faster, and more athletic than pretty much every four he's going to play this season. Um, 
they are going to muscle and pound teams into the ground. Unlike last year, where we were really reliant on Matt Bradley scoring, I also think that points from different places is a huge strength of this team. You're looking at a guy like Parrish coming in and filling in the Baker Mazzara role. And by all accounts, he looks to be a dead eye three and D player. And that is exactly what this team needs. Lamont Butler taking the next step. Trammell being a player whose strengths are what we've always been lacking. He is a playmaking point guard, getting the ball to our scores and getting him into positions of success. I think that's a huge, huge plus. But in reality, the biggest strength is the depth. It's the depth. Unlike last year, where if we lost Matt Bradley or we saw when we lost Lamont Butler, or if we were to lose Nathan Mensah, while those all would be blows, unquestionable blows, I think you have the roster to facilitate maintaining a level of success that this program expects and that this program and fan base right now are kind of really hungry for. Um, and then I also think the the strength is we're an old team. We have a bunch of older players and in college basketball, that's not always the case, but you also have a core nucleus that's been together. Now they're going on season two and it just feels like every piece that they added only elevates their value. It They are the perfect support system for our established players to really grow. So for me, it's the roster. It's the way that they're hopefully going to play in terms of just wearing teams down uh, for an NBA comp. If you are an NBA fan, the LA Clippers have 14 different wings that they can throw at any different time. And that's kind of how I feel about the Aztecs. There are six to seven guys who could play two, three, four, and we would be fine. So positional versatility, taking people out in waves, grinding out results. It's going to be fun. What about you? What are your, what would you say are the team's biggest strengths? You know, I think, I think for the most part, you, you hit probably all of them, honestly. Um, a couple of things I want I wanted to add to that, right. You talked about like Lamont Butler's press defense and honestly, Darian Trammell is, is probably about as good, if not better than Butler at that, right? We, 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 we saw interviews of opposing coaches in the WAC last year talking about like they wouldn't let their point guard bring the ball up the court. Whoever, whoever Trammell was guarding was not allowed to bring the ball up the court because it wasn't going to work out very well, right? So like you're talking about throwing defenders at them in waves and pressing them in waves, like as long as one of Butler or Trammell are on the floor at the same time, it's going to be, it's going to be dangerous for opposing ball handlers. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, right? We we know how good Lamont Butler is as a defender. Tramel and Parrish are both like defensive studs, right? We know how good Mensa is and the impact he brings on the defense. One player who who's not going to play a whole lot early in the season, he'll get he'll get more time towards the end, is is a Gueca rope, right? And I know I think we have both at times been pretty critical of a rope in general. And, and and partially mostly just because his offensive game isn't super refined uh you know he has the offense of, of a big man but the size of a wing right so it makes it it makes it tricky but one thing i realized last year is a rope in my opinion is the best like one-on-one -on -one defender when you need to just lock somebody up 
a rope can do it to anybody as long as they're not seven feet tall. And even the seven footers, he's going to make them work. And, and when I realized that was when they were playing Colorado state last year and they started off with Nathan Mensa on player of the year, David Roddy and Roddy was working. He was working mm-hmm. and you know, Mensa mm-hmm. was making him work, but he was still hitting just tough shots. Right. Which, which players of the year are going to do. It's not something I necessarily mm-hmm. faulted Mensa for, but then later in the game, when they put a rope on him, one, it let Mensa do what he does best because he should be more able to roam the paint and, and do all these other things rather than just guarding a guy one-on-one. And two, a rope was just better at, at just disrupting things, right? And getting really into Roddy's body and playing more physical with him. And so, like, when if somebody just gets hot and you just need to heat check the guy, just just make him cool off for three or four minutes like a rope can do that and so that was really encouraging i thought so those were those were just the thoughts i had while you were bringing everything up but i mean you brought up the death the depth the offense should be better tramel brings the playmaking that we haven't had since since malachi flynn butler might also bring some of that too sure so this team has good guards they have good bigs they got it doesn't seem like it's it's we're going to find out not literally everything is the strength, but right now it certainly feels like just about everything is a strength for this mm-hmm. team. It's Absolutely. a scary proposition for opponents. Yeah, it is. And I think the, the, the rope mention is, is a great one because in a, it, I'm, you know, captain of this team small ball. And mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you said, that, that run, that game in Colorado state where they lost on the buzzer beater, they went on like a 16 to something run and it was with a small ball lineup and you were right a rope guarding the uh the player of the year david roddy now nba player david roddy um it's i mean we didn't even mention like i didn't even mention him like i wasn't even thinking uh about him and you have and 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 he's just one an additional piece and i really think the way that you hear them talk about a rope the players talk about a rope the coaches talk about a rope he very much feels like the heart of the team yeah. in a way. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a super senior now and he's not the only one. And it, it's, this team has a lot of strengths. Definitely. A lot of strengths. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you're going to think, think the weaknesses are, but the one thing, the, the main thing I should say that, that I've been able to find that, that to me at least is a weakness um, is just the overall, size of the team i guess and even that's a little a little over over simplistic because the team has some good size but it's this mesh of size and skill and how that's going to work out right you, you talked about having a lot of wings and i'm almost like coming from the other direction to me it feels like this team has a lot of guards and it has a lot of bigs but not a whole lot of guys that are in between and, and so my example for that would be like Matt Bradley is going to be playing a lot of the wing role, but he's just a little smaller than I would prefer. And in the end, that inch or two, it's not going to be a huge deal. It's not going to be, you know, Jordan Shackle was a great wing and he was one inch taller. So it's not the end of the world, but he's just, for my personal preferences, he's a little bit smaller than I would like. You got Kashad Johnson, who's six seven. That's great size, but it's only great size if he can shoot the ball well. Otherwise, right, if, if, he's, if his skill set is what it's been, he's essentially like has the skill set of a big man offensively. Mm-hmm. And so like that ends up being small, right? If you're six, seven playing, you can get away with it at power forward. But if you have the skill set of a center and you're six, seven, 
that's problematic. That's the reason I was complaining about a rope in the past, right? And I've I've, I've turned around on him, realizing the defensive value there and the and the heart and soul value there. A rope is another example, though, of of a guy who has great wing size, but maybe not wing excessively. Micah Parrish should help with that. Absolutely. He seems to have some wing skills. So it's not that there's no wings on the team and some of it will depend on development, but that's, that's the concern is when your, your point guard is five ten, your shooting guard is six, two, your small forward is six, four. The, the backcourt is a little smaller than I would like. Cause I like those big teams. You know, I like those big, those big bruising teams. I just did on the last Pupcast. I talked about how, my favorite lineup, if we get to see it this year, would be like Butler, Parrish, Johnson, Arope, and Mensa, right? And that's that. There's just a lot of defense and size there, but there might not be a whole lot of shooting or ball handling or stuff like that. So the size is the one thing I'm worried about because I think that's the thing when you get to March, the other good teams, whoever it may be, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the Kansases, whoever. I think that's going to be the weakness that they that they try to exploit. So that's where I'm at. Where are you at on the weaknesses? What what has you worried about about the season, the postseason, whatever? Sure. Same same problem as every single year for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. What happens to our offense when our backup point guard goes out? Because it very much feels like all of the information I'm reading, they're going to start the the Brian Dutcher two guard backcourt mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they're kind of interchangeable with different skill sets, but they both are more in the traditional point guard bodies type. Um, and last year there were times when we really struggled with our backup guards, not on the floor. And it very, one of the problems that we would get sucked into is we just kept forcing the ball to Matt Bradley because he would have to score one-on-one. So who is going to be the bench unit initiator I think you've got to stagger Lamont and Tremel uh, as much yeah. as possible. I think they just will. Just because in that's what the uh, 2020 team did really well was they staggered KJ and Malachi. Malachi mm-hmm. played three fourths of the game at guard, point guard and initiator, and KJ would play those backup minutes when he needed to be the point guard and the initiator. And I think that relation, I honestly think the backcourt the relationship in terms of who's initiating offense is going to be very similar. Their roles, I think are going to be very similar, but I don't think they're going to ask Trammell to do. I I think it's impossible to ask him to do what Malachi did, right? We're talking one of the best Aztec players ever, but so who's, who's going to initiate offense when Trammell and if Lamont's not going to be that, that second initiator, who's going to do, who are this going to come from? And then I kind of have this weird, sense whenever you have a team that seems like it's just going to work perfectly however i think we're going to get two new starters this season in ladie and tramel mm-hmm. as well as new contributing uh, serious minutes from parish mm-hmm. we absolutely are going to have a new backup five whether that's elijah saunders or demarche johnson one of those two guys is going to get run and i actually think it's going to be both in kind of the way that they played uh, Diabate and Tamayich mm-hmm, last mm-hmm. year, just because Mensa is so foul prone. Uh, he's there are going to be times where you're going to need big minutes from them. And I think that's, that could be a huge weakness like it was in the past. Um, the good news is though, that those two players are younger. So 
if we're going to make if they're going to make mistakes, hopefully they can learn and help future Aztec teams versus Tamayich and Diabate. Very much one and done. I know Tamayich got that extra year, but still, mm-hmm. they're not part of the program very long. Um, but how do they fit together? How do the pieces fit together? Because what I saw was my my biggest concern is Ladie and Mensa connecting. Uh, I think Tramel and Lamont have skill sets that could very easily fit together. If you put mm-hmm. them in the mm-hmm. initiator and shooter role, I think that works. I think Matt Bradley is a good, as good of an offensive player as you're going to find in college basketball. So fitting him in an offensive system shouldn't be a big deal. But Ladie's biggest strength to me is he's going to be so much bigger and more athletic than the person guarding him in many of these lineups that he's going to want to go to the basket and Mensa is at the basket. Yeah. And so that could create a little bit of a problem, but I'm hoping uh, in the past when they would go to two big lineups, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated the spacing. I hated having Tamayich or Diabate or Mensa on the wing. Um, I'm hoping that Ladip, you know, he, he's, he's shooting in at the summer league was pretty evident. He likes to take threes. And Mm -hmm. so I'm hoping that that translates well and and allows him that space. Um, But then, you know, what, what is the rotations like? And I think last year we were all kind of dead set on, on a rotation and it turned out to be a lot smaller. Keith Dinwiddie, like basically getting exiled and now he's not even on the program. Um, And so those first couple of games are going to be, I think you might see the starters play a little bit more than normal against Fullerton and Christian and those other early games. I mean, especially for those two, because those are the first two before BYU. Um, But I think just the fit and my, my biggest fear is we're going to get to Maui and we're still not going to know what's how, how to best use our pieces. And that could cause us having a late start. And that's a huge weakness because our conference isn't good this year. It's not last year's conference. For sure. And so wins versus Colorado state and wins versus why, I mean, Wyoming clearly number two projected team, but there aren't any signature wins to boost us up the rankings and get us into an easier matchup in March. And so I worry that we're not going to hit our stride until conference play. And then we're playing the big boys right out of the gate when it comes to March madness time. Um, So those are, those are my weaknesses. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see one thing coach Dutcher has talked about because he's, he's, he's mentioned like the same concern you just said, basically is how's everything going to gel? How are the players going to come together? And so one of the things he said lately has been that they have been doing as opposed to over the summer, doing a lot of like individual skill work like they might normally do they've been doing scrimmages even back before before they were allowed like a bunch of practices each week when they were only allowed four hours a week or whatever they were doing scrimmages because they have so much experience they have so much veteran so many veteran players and and only a few players that like I, i mean i guess they have what like six new players but some of those are freshmen. Some of those are, are, you know, like red shirts that were in the program last year. So the freshmen probably aren't going to play a whole lot. And then, so the veterans just have to get caught up and it's easier for them because they have the experience. So they've been scrimmaging a lot to try and counter that, to try and find those lineups and find those rotations earlier in the practice process. That way, hopefully by the time the games start, they have a better idea. It'll be interesting to see if that, if that works or not. Right. Cause there's, 
there's you practice all you want and, and obviously practice is super important but at the same time as we all know there's no way to like fully simulate that game environment so yeah it'll be interesting to see how soon they they come together and gel and figure out how to play off of each other and everything for sure i also think that this year i mean to add on to that point of the team drills it from what i heard there was a lot more ex-player involvement this summer trying to get pl- current players playing with former players <laughs> in whether it's just open runs in vegas or the swish league who play similar roles so for the best example i can give you malachi flynn playing all summer with lamont butler mm-hmm. right you've got a guy in malachi who's we've been talking Tramel is going to play that initiator role that mm-hmm. malachi had and lamont playing the kj fagan role to malachi and you put them together to try to work together um also seeing micah Parrish play with Tramel, you know new players connecting and playing yep. i think that was important but that makes a lot of sense because it's definitely chemistry is more important this year, probably than any other year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I was, yeah, I, I, the way I would phrase it is it's, it's not necessarily more important, but the stakes are higher. And so yes. through that, yes. through that, it gets more important. Like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Cool. Well, with that, Kyle, we got we got some some rotations yeah. to go through to go through. What what are you thinking for rotations? What do you think? I don't. Do you want to do this like? Yeah, let's do starting lineup. Let's you let's kind of see. Let's kind of see. Let's do what we both feel. I think we do. We agree on the same I starting think, five. I think I think we agree. I have I have Tramel Butler, Bradley, Ladie Mensa as my five. Okay. Okay. Same. Same. I'm yeah. with you. Easy. Uh, and easy I think, peasy. I think the first subs off the bench are going to be Seiko. Uh, he comes in for whatever guard goes out. I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty easy straight swap. Mm-hmm. And I think that Kashad comes in for Matt Bradley or Ladie. And if, or if, you know, Ladie's in, you want to slide him to the five. Kashad's playing the four. That's a lineup I could easily see. Yep. Um, I also see, I really see Micah Parrish taking literally every minute chad had last year uh the the fit seems to be there and he definitely seems more of like what that aztec team needs which is someone who very much knows their role knows what Mm -hmm. they're good at Mm -hmm. versus baker was still it felt like discovering what he was great at um and part of that discovery is the bad side of chad at that during the season bad shots bad possessions poor defense um so I think I think Parrish is coming to to play a role uh and play a serious role. And then we're taught I think one of Miles Bird and Elijah Saunders is going to be the regular backup. Um I, I don't really have a preference right now because I I mean, let's be honest, we haven't really seen DeMarche play at all. And he's he his profile, his athletic profile is special. Right. I remember him coming out of high school and someone told me he is one of the most freakish athletes I've ever seen in high school basketball, but he doesn't know actually how to play basketball. And so has he come that red, you know, that jump, right? He's he's still a red shirt freshman. Yep. And and having a red shirt freshman and Elijah Saunders, who's a you know, a, a true freshman be your your backup fives i think it's going to be who handles the moment the best 
and then you throw in a, a, a rope into there. He can be the his minutes kind of vary on matchups just because of his health. And yeah, it the feels like. The big thing. And so Dutch wants to manage him so that he's healthy and that's completely fair. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's pretty much the lineup. And I think that it's going to be who's hot, right? For, for a lot of those guys, is it Kishad? Is it, is it Parrish? Um, and then with the freshman backing up Mensa, you know, who's, who's the hot hand or whose skill set really, really helps us the most because it very much feels like Demarche is more of a traditional five, like Nate, he wants to play around the basket, Definitely. wants to block shots. He wants to get out in the open court and dunk versus, you know, Elijah very much feels more of like, um, uh, a power forward, modern day power forward body where they're just going to be too big, too strong underneath, but he can also stretch the floor. Uh, he, he, his body kind of reminds me of David Roddy in a way he's really big, really strong, um, in the post, right. We'll see. And, and, and by all accounts he can shoot. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. What, what about you? How do you feel like the, the rotations are going to go? You know, the tricky part every year is to figure out like which nine or maybe 10 guys are going to play when you have a team that you feel like 11 or 12 or maybe even 13 guys can play. And it feels like we have this happen every year. Right. And mm-hmm. then, and then mm-hmm. the season starts and then it, it you know, it, it's, you see fans talking all the time. Like they should just, they should play 11, they should play 12 and, and, and just run the guys out of waves. And then, that doesn't happen because it's it's the flip side of that is it's hard to get guys into a rhythm when you're mm-hmm. playing that many guys you're spreading the minutes so thin that it's it's hard to to get the things you want accomplished so it's it's tough because we're we're here again and I thought I heard Dutcher in a quote somewhere or read a quote somewhere saying he's like more so than in past years considering playing eleven or twelve mm-hmm. guys even over the course of one game, right over the course of a season. Absolutely. I think pretty much everybody will play at some point. Um, but over the course of one game is, is, is tough for sure. I, I think, so we have the same starting five, right. And then, and then it's just a matter of like who plays when I think, I think, you know, you mentioned whoever's hot will be, will be an important factor, especially towards the end of games. And, and Dutcher has shown that, he can he can make those calls. He's kept stars out of important games because the bench guys were playing better. So that's a thing. I think Micah Parrish definitely can slide into kind of the Chad Baker, Mazzara kind of kind of role, but he'll be more fitted for it, right? He won't try and do things that are outside of his game, like you were saying. Uh I think I think for the roles, I think I think you nailed it. I am interested to see what the substitution schedule is right who comes in and and when they come in when when you know when that first media timeout happens do they just swap out like one guy or do they swap out like three because over Mm -hmm. dutch's career he's done he's done both of those and and everything in the middle right it just it it, kind of depends i don't think i've regularly seen him do more than three at the first media timeout but i've definitely seen three i've also definitely seen one so you know how's that how's that going to work out I do think when we talk about who's backing up Big Nate, I wonder Saunders could maybe do it. I wonder if it'll actually be a rope doing that more, at least when he's healthy. Um, just because he's shown that he can do that. He's defended some some big time centers in his time. 
and that would let Saunders stay at his more natural four type position, which could help with development down the road. It might help him even just this year. You know, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation. You brought up Demarche Johnson. What's he gonna look like? I remember thinking last year that he was he was two years away from being a consistent contributor and it's been one year so we'll we'll see what his minutes are if he if he can handle 10 minutes a game and just you know just to keep the defense afloat type of role right we don't need him to do anything super fantastic anything super crazy um i i will say this when i go into i have like a sheet where i try to build the rotations out and actually like minute by minute who's on the floor and it's it's such an interesting process to try and go through it, regardless of whether you're like, or am I predicting what I think Coach Dutcher is going to do, or am I doing like what I would do? Either way, it's it's super interesting to try and figure out like these are the stars. Which players do I want around the stars? What skill sets do I want? Do I want to make sure I have these skill sets on the floor for each minute of the game? Right. It's it's a tough process, and I do not envy the coaches in that regard. That being said. They have a lot of tools this year. The, the, one, of the, of tools. one of the players we, we haven't even mentioned is Miles Bird. Do mm-hmm. we think he's getting redshirted? He would be the guy for sure. Yeah. If 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 anyone is getting redshirted, it's gonna be him, I think. And 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 it's a bummer because he is he does have a lot of skills. He's also the when I look at him, what I see is kind of a player who's who's a jack of all trades, but master of none. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not elite at any one thing, but he has good enough ball handling. He has good enough shooting. He has good enough play creation for other people, good enough defense, right? So he can kind of do a little bit of everything, which can be a super valuable player. He's also like 30 pounds underweight, though. Yeah. Right. And and that that 175 for those that are looking. It's it's not for a six six player. It's not it's not great. And you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, if you're 15 or 20 pounds underweight, it's one thing and you might get bullied around, but maybe you can still do stuff. But when it's 25 or 30, I, I worry about injuries. So if any player is going to get red shirt, I think it would be him. I'm starting to feel like he's not going to red shirt. That's not based on any quotes or anything. It's just kind of a vibe I've been getting from like reading articles from Ziegler or whatever. But it, if any player is going to red shirt, he's the guy for sure. Yeah, and I think that he's he has a skill set that the one thing that makes me think he's going to get run is he ha- and and you brought it up. We don't have a lot of wings that can handle the ball. Yeah. And he can create at 6-7, right? And that's something that this team hasn't had ever. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where it's such a unique skill set in basketball to have someone that big be able to create. And when you say he's kind of a, a jack of all trades, but a master of none, those are the players you want red shirting so that you can mold them into what you mm-hmm. want them to be. Mm-hmm. You can put them on the Aztec path, right? Like, let's get you to be a lot. Let's t- train you up and coach you up on being a lockdown defender at the wing. And maybe you're an initiator. Maybe you're the backup point guard. Like, there, that could be something. There, there's something there with this player. He's very intriguing. Um, 
but I also see taking a punt on this season because of all of the options we've been discussing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. saying, you know what, let's, let's lock you down for four additional years, one full year in the gym with us developing you into making you the best version of yourself. And next year, when you're a redshirt freshman, you are a contributing member of this team because we're losing Kashad. We're, we're losing Tremel or we're losing Tramel. We're losing Liddy. Like we're losing Bradley. Next year's team is going to be significantly younger. I think um, Liddy has one more year, I think. Oh, he does. Does he have the, does of, he have the bubble COVID year? The COVID, the COVID year. year. Okay. Right. And I think Tramel okay. has Tramel's the same year as Butler. So I think they each have two more years. I think uh, Tramel is listed as a senior right now. Is he? I could have sworn he's only played two years so far. I could be wrong. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll find out when <laughs> turn the from the program's release. Regardless, there's going to be some yeah. people leaving this year. It's going to be turnover. For and sure it's, it's, there's going to yeah. be turnover. There's going to be yeah. room on the wing. Sure. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense to redshirt him. Um and like you said, develop his body, get him in the gym. Like look at Lamont from year two to year three, L- like hit miles adding 20 pounds would be amazing. My, and... my favorite example is Jordan Shackle. Actually, when you oh, look yeah. at him freshman year and then you look oh, at him yeah. senior year, if you watch those games back to back, it's like a totally different player. It's, it's and, insane. Which by the way, he's, he, he's pl- was on the opening day roster for the wizards. So yeah, I think was. we need to give him. A lot of TLC, uh, Aztec legend, Jordan Shackle. <laughs> yep. 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 Absolutely. Well, Kyle, I think we're about wrapping it up. You have any other rotation shots, thoughts, not shots, thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love to see, uh, an all big lineup. I know you were like, I don't know how this is going to work out, Dude, but I, think I, that, no, I love, I love the big lineups. I That's think they're, I think if you could, I mean, with Ladie's versatility, I would just once I want to see uh Ladie at the three, Ladea Saunders at the, three, at the Saunders at the four, Mensa at the five. That would good be luck getting good luck getting a rebound. Something. I'd even, you know, I'd even if you want, I'd even go with uh with like a rope at the four. Sure. In that, sure. in that similar right, because he's such yeah. a good rebounder as well. He sure. wouldn't have the floor spacing, but but he probably makes up for it with with defense, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. just getting steals and blocks and, and just being disruptive in general. I think that could work too. That would be so, dude. If we can find minutes for Libby at the three, <laughs> that's gonna solve my size concerns. Sure, right yeah. there, man. Because that's such a big. He's gonna be because other teams are gonna have players like Bradley size, like six four players, but not as not as strong as Bradley, right? Like six four, but like 200, 210 instead of two forty mm-hmm. or whatever Bradley is. Trying to guard Jaden Ladie if he's at the three at six nine two forty or two fifty, whatever Ladie's at. Ooh. I can't even breathe thinking about it. Okay, <laughs> that's. <sighs> Anyways, cool. So, yeah. That's that's an exciting thought. As Technation, I believe that does it for this one. And we will catch you next time. Go Aztecs.